informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Tuesday, August the 16th. 2022. Praise be to God. It's good to be back in the studio today. We were off for the Holy Day of Obligation, the Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Mother, Queen of Heaven and Earth, Mother of the Word Incarnate. What an honor. What a title. Praise be to God. Could you imagine the moment that she enters heaven? Whew. Man, I bet that was a big deal. I bet that was a big deal. Clothed in utter beauty is the daughter of the king. And what a celebration it was last night at Mass <clears throat> to a completely packed house, even though in the United States it wasn't, you know, you didn't really have to go, technically speaking. But thousands and thousands of great Catholic radicals did. And I'm sure many of them packing their everyday carry rosaries, which, by the way, you know, we're going to cover that story at 15 past the hour. Uh, the Atlantic calling us rad trads that pray their rosary, weaponizing the rosary. What is all of that about that's been uh, circling the interwebs over the weekend? We're going to cover that at 15 past. Stick around for that. Bishop Joseph Strickland from the Diocese in Tyler in Texas is going to be on the program. We're going to be addressing some of those rumors. It, will the church be overturning Humane Vitae? Will the church be allowing all of a sudden a contraception? Is this going to be okay in the church? What is the implication? What are the rumors? We're going to cover all of that with Bishop Joseph Strickland at 35 past the hour at the top of the next hour if you can join us attorney brent haynes is going to be our guest catching up on the fallout from the trump raid i mean it just can it continues to dominate the news even donald trump has said it's time to cool things down a bit brent haynes will give us the update on that hey americans are paying 717 dollars more on average per month because of the highest inflation in almost 41 years, at least according to a Joint Economic Committee of the Republicans. And speaking of Republicans, guess what? They voted against Mother Earth, according to Nancy Pelosi, when they didn't vote in favor of the Inflation Reduction Act. Reduction Act. Nancy Pelosi said, Mother Earth gets angry from time to time, and this, legis this legislation will help us address all of that. Right, with 80,000 new IRS agents, of course. That's how you appease Mother Earth with new priests, I suppose. Hey, in Minneapolis public schools, they have a new contract with the teachers' union mandating that white teachers must be fired first when any kind of downsizing is initiated. Oh, and also, the teacher union complains of teacher shortages. So there's that. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe, my good man. What, what, what? $700 is paltry. <laughs> is that the elite? That is pocket change. Is that your elitist voice? Is yes. That, like, you, have, you should have a smoky jacket on, like a <laughs> pipe and mascot or something when you, when you do that. My cousin, uh, Carl Schwab. Mm -hmm. Your cousin, <laughs> genetically speaking, of course. Yeah. Klaus Schwab, excuse Klaus, me, I Klaus. keep forgetting. Carl's, cousin, Carl's the second third, cousin. Third cousin, of course. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah he, he takes care of me, no problem. <laughs> Does he now? Okay. <laughs> also creepy, but okay, praise be to God. Good weekend for you? Yeah, it was awesome. Spent a lot of time with my daughter, so uh, we're 
playing kitchen and all kinds of different things. So oh, wow. Good time well spent. You're sucking up to the kid, huh? Yeah. Trying to get her to love you back. She loves me now. In <laughs> fact, I was going through my pictures, and I have a picture of the moment where she changed her mind. So She's just, oh, I'll always remember August, uh, what was it, August 1st. August 1st. It's the day she started loving and her what, dad. What day were you married? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know, but August 1st is a great um, day. I don't know. It's in the calendar somewhere. It's somewhere. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. The <laughs> Despite the fact your camera's not well situated. There you go. How was your weekend? <laughs> it was good, I think. I can't remember exactly what, what happened. Um, what wow. did I do? <laughs> I slept. I think I slept most of it. At your age, some would suspect other activities. No, I think I, just, I think I literally just slept 90% of the weekend. I took well, a lot of naps. Took a, a lot, lot of naps. naps. Wow. But I did meet up yesterday with my mm -hmm. friend, Father Luis, and my buddy Colton, my buddy Colton is entering a monastery with the Carmelites, traditional Carmelites up in Pennsylvania. So wow. pray for his vocation. He was telling mm -hmm. me, he was like, yep, pretty much the only thing I'm able to do mm -hmm. is I'm able to write my family, and that's it. Nice. No visits, never get to go home. They say that's something it. like, write uh, with pencil, paper, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's some sort of foreign Latin language. Yeah, but he can't write, friends, yeah. only immediate family. <laughs> And uh, no visits. Well, All right. Yeah. Well, we'll be, we will be praying for Colton. We should pray the whole rosary today. Um, whoa, whoa, we, whoa, we don't whoa. have time. You don't want to be that pray radical, I suppose. But uh, we're gonna have, we're gonna pray and jump in. Ask the Queen of Heaven and Earth to intercede for all of us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, August 16th, and here are your headlines this morning. From the New York Post, the headline goes, U.S. falls into housing recession as mortgage rates and building costs surge. Tighter monetary policy from the Federal Reserve and persistently elevated construction costs have brought on a housing recession, according to National Association of Home Builders Chief Economist Robert Dietz. Demand within the first, the once booming housing market, rather, has slowed considerably in recent months due to surging mortgage rates and steep purchase prices that have locked out many prospective home buyers. However, as signs grow that the rate of inflation is near peaking, long-term investment rates have stabilized, which will provide some stability for the demand side of the market in the next coming months, Dietz said. The Washington Examiner reports video shows Shanghai shoppers scramble to break out of an IKEA store after Snap lockdown announced. Just moments after the lockdown was announced, a mob of shoppers successfully barged through a door being held by several security guards and fled the store. Shanghai's lockdown was apparently declared when a shopper was found to have close contact with a six-year-old asymptomatic COVID-19 patient, causing co uh, Chinese authorities, COVID authorities is what I was going to say, same thing, to attempt to quarantine everyone in the building. Those unable to escape posted on Douyin, which is the Chinese version of TikTok, that they were sealed in the store from 8 p.m. to midnight, at which point health officials transported them to quarantine facilities. The Texas Tribune reports Texas Child Welfare Agency fires employee for encouraging a foster child to consider sex work. The child in the state's foster care system was being housed at a Harris County hotel while awaiting placement. 
She was asking for food when the staff member proposed sex work. The child recorded the interaction in a video. This is the only this is this is only the latest controversy rather to befall the state's child welfare department, which has been under years of scrutiny for its inadequate care of some of the state's most vulnerable children. A quarter of the children who the Department of Family and Protective Services identified as victims of sexual abuse were victimized or re-victimized after entering foster care, according to court-appointed watch watchdogs. And Breitbart reports, Biden administration left more than 800 Americans behind in Afghanistan. This was a really good article. I suggest you check it out over at Breitbart. Republicans on the House Foreign Affairs Committee released a report on Sunday detailing the initial results of their investigation of the Biden administration's handling of the Afghanistan withdrawal. Republican members interviewed people on the ground during the withdrawal, reviewed hundreds of situational reports, interviewed uh, whistleblowers, obtained internal State Department memos, and took fact-finding trips to Pakistan, the United Arab Emirates, and Qatar. Despite the Biden administration claiming that there were only 100 to 200 Americans still left in Afghanistan, their investigation shows that there were more than 800 Americans left abandoned behind enemy lines. They also found that the Taliban offered on August 15, 2021 for the U.S. to provide its own security for the Kabul airport instead of Taliban forces, but that the U.S. turned them down, which allowed for the chaos unfolding just outside of the gates of the airport with little security and the subsequent bombing that killed 13 U.S. service members. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is King Saint Stephen of Hungary. He was he lived from 977 to 1038 and was the son of Magar, chieftain of Geza. Stephen succeeded him as ruler in 997, already raised a Christian in 996. He wed the daughter of the Duke, Henry II of Bavaria. And he devoted much of his reign to the promotion of the Christian faith. He gave his patrons to church leaders and helped build churches, was a proponent of the rights of the Holy See. Stephen also crushed the pagan counter-reaction to Christianity, forcibly converting the so-called black Hungarians after their failed rebellion. In recognition of his efforts, Stephen was anointed king of Hungary in 1000, receiving the cross and crown from Pope Sylvester II. Stephen established a system of tithes to support churches and pastors and to relieve the poor. One out of every ten towns had to be that one had to build a church and support a priest. He abolished pagan customs with a certain amount of violence and commanded all to marry except for clergy and religious. He was easily accessible to all and especially the poor. He wrote a book explaining to his son how to be a good king. In it, he says, My dearest son, if you desire to honor the royal crown, I advise, I counsel, I urge you above all things to maintain the Catholic and apostolic faith with such diligence and care that you may be an example for all those placed under you by God, and that all the clergy may rightly call you a man of true Christian profession. Failing to do this, you may be sure that you will not be called a Christian or a son of the church. Indeed, in the royal palace after the faith itself, the church holds second place, first constituted and spread through the whole world by his members, the apostles, the holy fathers, and she always produced fresh offspring. Nevertheless, in certain places she is regarded as ancient. However, dear son, even now in our kingdom, the church is proclaimed as young and newly planted, and for that reason she needs more prudent and trustworthy guardians lest the benefit which the divine mercy bestowed on us undeservingly should be destroyed and annihilated through your idleness, indolence, or negligence. He survived all his children, dying on the 15th of August, 1038, at the age of 62. 
He was canonized by Gregory VII with his son, Imric, the Bishop Gerard of Cesnad in 1083. His right hand was incorruptible, them saying that his limbs, why was his limbs uh, lasted and not be turned to dust? Well, it was because he gave so much to the poor. Saint, King St. Stephen of Hungary, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, which is from the proper of the saints today. For it will be as when a man going on a journey called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with him, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug into the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not winnow. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sowed, and gathered where I have not winnowed. Then... You ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever God has given to you, use it for His glory and the salvation of souls today. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Protestants often think that the difference in the Greek words for Peter's name, Petros, and the rock, Petra, in Matthew 16:18, is evidence against Peter being the first pope. But does this objection deal the death blow that Protestants think it does? Nope, and here's why. First, even in the Greek of the New Testament called Koine Greek, scholars recognize that there's no difference in meaning. 
In the IVP Bible Background Commentary, Craig Keener affirms that these two terms were cognate terms that were used interchangeably by this period. This view is supported by the fact that John tells us in John 1.42 that the Aramaic equivalent of Petros is Cephas, which means rock. So why the difference? Gender. Petros is masculine and Petra is feminine. It makes perfect sense that a feminine noun would not be used for a masculine name. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. You might remember from, I guess it was last, last week, maybe the week before. Um, actually, we've talked about it over the past several weeks, really. The Pontifical Academy for Life, the JP2 uh, Pontifical Academy for Life, has been uh, trying to set the stage, it seems, for uh, overturning Humanae Vitae, to allowing contraception. And they argue whether or not Pope Paul VI, uh, Pope St. Paul VI, in his encyclical Humanae Vitae, the only one he ever wrote, uh, was in fact not in a part of the magisterium, not infallible, not taught, you know, definitively. So some are saying it can be overturned. And even the Pope made comments on his way back from Canada on the airplane that, you know, dogma, theologians, everything's in development. We'll have to see how it all goes. Well, we've asked Bishop Joseph Strickland to be on. We're going to cover this uh, coming up at 35 past the hour. So stick around for that. It's going to be an intriguing conversation with Bishop Joseph Strickland from the Diocese of Tyler in Texas. But there are, as I say, lots of stories in the news that are a great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you. And, uh, you know, over the weekend, it's, it's the memeology, the meme sphere blew up. It just became epic and awesome. I mean, pictures of open carry nuns with their rosaries just dangling from their side. There's, oh, radicals. So pull out your... Pull out your rosary and uh, hold it high. If you're running, if you're driving right now, roll down the window and uh, stick the rosary outside the the window as you scream down the highway at 90 miles an hour. Let the world know that you are a rosary radical. What does this all mean? You know, my rosary actually has bullets. To be honest with you, they're <laughs> they're nine millimeter shell casings, and I take this to the airport and it gets looked at. Very suspiciously. Mm. I've had it pulled off to the side, and they look, they look, what, 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 why, what is this, why is this? Well, let's get into it. There was a story out of the Atlantic that caught the ire of Catholics all over the world, and uh, rightly so. Uh, the, the headline, as of right now, says, how extremist gun culture is trying to co-opt the rosary. However, comma, that was not the original Article That was not the original headline. The original headline said how the rosary became an extremist symbol. So they, right out of the gate, were going straight after Catholics who prayed the rosary. So here's this article out of the Atlantic <clears throat> by Daniel Penitent out of Toronto, Canada. Just as the AR-15 rifle has become a sacred object for Christian nationalists in general. The rosary has acquired a militaristic meaning for radical traditional, or rad trads, Catholics. 
On this extremist fringe, rosary beads have been woven into a conspiratorial politics and absolutist gun culture. These armed radical traditionalists have have taken up a spiritual notion that the rosary can be a weapon in the fight against evil and turned into something dangerously literal. Well, right out of the gate, this guy clearly doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, anybody who says the AR-15 has become a sacred object is really insulting to the AK-47 crowd, okay? Because these are diametrically opposed categories. People who love AK-47s do not love AR-15s, and vice versa. So, well, and forget about the FAL. Hello, there's a whole subculture of FAL lo- lovers out there, too. So he doesn't even understand gun culture, let alone Catholics, the Rosary, and rad trads. The article goes on to say, nonetheless, their social media pages are saturated with images of rosaries draped over firearms, warriors in prayer, deus vault, God wills it, crusader memes, and exhortations for men to rise up and become church militants. Influencers on platforms such as Instagram share posts referencing everyday carry. Okay, I'm guilty. I kind of did that too because it's cool and fun and gat check gat is slang for firearm that includes soldier battle beads handguns and assault rifles one artist posts illustrations of his favorite catholic saints clergy and influencers toting ar-15 style rifles labeled sanctum rosarium alongside violently homophobic screens screeds that are celebrated by social media accounts with thousands of of followers. Hmm, interesting. The theologian and historian Massimo Fagioli, Fagioli has described a network of conservative Catholic bloggers and commentary organizations as, quote, Catholic cyber militia, close quote, that uh, actively campaigns against LGBTQ acceptance in the church. Well, because homosexual activity, homosexual acts are intrinsically evil, according to church teaching. So we would oppose anybody who would want to commit a mortal sin that would endanger their own salvation, let alone the health and physical well-being of others. I mean, hello, we have charity. The article goes on to say, these rad trad rosary as weapon memes represent a social media diffusion of such messaging, and they work to integrate ultra-conservative Catholicism with other aspects of online far-right culture. The phenomenon might be tempted to dismiss as mere trolling and merchandising and ironical provocations based on traditional Catholic symbols do exist, but their far-right's constellations of violent, racist, and homophobic online milieus are well-documented for providing a pathway to radicalization and real-world terrorist attacks. Because, you know, the stories are replete in the headlines about people using their rosaries to physically harm people, right? Like, I mean, they're just everywhere of rosary attacks where people have been beaten or harmed physically with a rosary. I mean... Just today, there was like, let's see, no headlines. But I'm sure they're there. Nonetheless, just, just, just don't fact check it. Just keep going with it. The article goes on to say at The Atlantic, The rosary in these hands is anything but holy. For, but for millions of believers, the beads, which provide an aid memoir for sequence of devotional prayers, are a widely recognized symbol of Catholicism and a source of strength. 
and many take genuine sustenance from Catholic theology, theology's concept of the church militant, and the tradition of, of regarding the rosary as a weapon against Satan. As Pope Francis said in a 2020 address, quote, there is no path to holiness without spiritual combat, close quote. And Francis is only one of many church officials who have endorsed the idea of the rosary as armament in that fight. In mainstream Catholicism, the rosary as weapon is not an intrinsically harmful interpretation of the sacramental. And this symbolism has a long history. In the 1930s and 40s, the ultra-montane Catholic student publication uh, regularly used the concept to rally the faithful. But the modern radical traditionalist Catholic movement, which generally rejects the Second Vatican Council reforms, yeah, of course they do. All of them, right? is far outside the majority opinion in the Roman Catholic Church in America. Many prominent American Catholic bishops advocate for gun control, and after the Uvalde school shooting, Bishop Daniel Flores of Brownsville, Texas, lamented the way some Americans sacralize death's instruments. Close quote. Now, what's interesting is this author who calls Catholics rad trads for praying the rosary and or uh, espousing the rosary as a, a spiritual weapon, quoting Pope Francis uh, as well as sort of a, a guy who endorses this idea, and the same breath also has issues with Catholics who don't, I, be, I guess, toe the line for Vatican II, hook, line, and sinker. That's kind of an interesting twist there, don't you think? From a guy who hates Catholics, who oppose LGBTQ, but expects them, on the other hand, to to embrace every uh, uh, every iota of Vatican II. It's like, it's bizarre. It's It's just weird. But I wonder how many Catholics have caught that little <clears throat> tidbit there. The article goes on to say, the militia culture, a fetishism of Western civilization, and masculinist anxieties have become mainstays of the far right in the U.S., and rad-trad Catholics have now taken up residence in this company. Their social media accounts commonly promote uh, accelerationist, I can't even speak today. Accelerationist. Uh, thank you, accelerationist. That's a fancy little word. <laughs> accelerationist and survivalist content. Because, you know, learning how to start a fire in the wilderness must be evil. Bad. Bad things. Bad things. Joe, if you had to guess, mm -hmm. what is this guy's job? To write against the Catholic Church. He's a museum worker. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can tell by the way he writes. Along with <laughs> combat, medical, and tactical training, as well as memes depicting Balakavala-clad gunmen, think Navy SEALs in the dark kind of thing, gunmen that draw on the terror wave and war core aesthetic that is popular in far-right circles. Like such networks, radical traditionalist Catholics sustain their own cottage industry of goods and services that reinforce the radicalization. Rosaries are common among the merchandise on offer, some made of cartridge casings. Guilty, mine is. <laughs> Nine millimeter shells in mine, for sure. Praise be to God. And complete with gunmetal finish crucifixes. Mine, I don't think it has a gunmetal. I wish it did, actually. It would probably hold up a little better. One Catholic online store, which describes itself as dedicated to offering battle-ready products and manuals to stand firm against the tactics of the devil, a New Testament reference, by the way, as sells replicas of rosaries issued to American soldiers during the First World War as 
combat rosaries. Discerning consumers can also buy a concealed carry permit for their combat rosary and sacramental storage box resembling an ammunition can. I'm more into the constitutional carry. I don't need some permit issued by the government to tell me I can open carry my spiritual weapon after all. In 2016, the Pontifical Swiss Guard accepted a donation of combat rosaries. That means they're a bunch of radicals too. And they're protecting the Pope for crying out loud. Anyway, going on, during a ceremony at the Vatican, their commander described the gift as the, quote, most powerful weapon that exists on the market, close quote. See, told you, even the army of the Vatican City uh, agrees that this is a weapon. The militarism also glorifies a warrior mentality and notions of manliness and male strength. The conflation of the masculine and the military is rooted in wider anxieties about Catholic manhood. The idea that it is a it is in crisis has some currency among senior church figures and lay organizations. In 2015, Bishop Thomas Olmsted of Phoenix issued an apostolic exhortation calling for a renewal of traditional con conceptions of Catholic masculinity entitled Into the Breach, which led the Knights of Columbus, an influential fraternal order, to produce a video series promoting Olmsted's ideas. But among Catholic, but among radical traditional Catholic men, such concerns take an extremist turn, rooted in fantasies of violently defending one's family and church from marauders. The, the article does go on, but we're almost out of time here, and I encourage you to read the shenanigans involved in poor Daniel's uh, little uh, lament against Catholics who pray the rosary. And guess what? It is not radical, trad Catholics and their rosaries that concern me. No, no, no. It's the silent types, the grandmas kneeling in the pew, fingering their beads over and over again. It's the silent ones you have to really watch out for. Catholic radicals, traditionalists, praying their rosary to conquer the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because it is not the flesh that we contend, but the powers and the principalities put on the armor of God, as St. Paul would say. And Our Lady, who commanded us to pray this rosary every single day. Let's defeat the devil today. Pray your rosary. Ave Maria School of Law is the Roman Catholic law school in the U.S. Consistently ranked in the Princeton Review as one of the best and most conservative law schools, as well as pre-law's most devout law school. Ave Maria School of Law provides a traditional legal education while placing an emphasis on how the law intersects with the Catholic intellectual tradition and natural law philosophy. Ave Maria School of Law, unabashedly Catholic, consistently excellent. For more information, AveMariaLaw.edu. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, What's wrong for you may be right for someone else. And besides, what's right and wrong changes like everything else. You can't fight these things. You have to just go with the flow. G.K. Chesterton says, Right is right, even if nobody does it. And wrong is wrong, even if everybody is wrong about it. Right and wrong are not based on fashion and personal preferences, and not on the calendar. They're based on the laws of God, on eternal truth that does not change. And as for going with the flow, G.K. Chesterton says, A dead thing goes with the stream. Only a living thing can go against it. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.com. 
org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now here's a few more headlines. From LifeSite News, Cardinal appointed to investigate Vatican corruption dies at 98 with findings still not made public. With his long experience in the Roman Curia in 2012, Cardinal Tomko, along with Cardinals Julian Haranz and Salvatore de Giorgi, was notably tasked by Pope Benedict XVI with an investigation into the curial corruption surrounding the Vatileak scandal of 2011, in which confidential papal documents had been stolen and leaked to the press. According to a 2013 report of the Italian news agency La Repubblica, as a result of the investigation, the Cardinals drew up a document they presented to Pope Benedict on December 17, 2012, in which they detailed the findings of an active homosexual lobby network within the Vatican that, in addition to sexual corruption, also vied for money and power. In his funeral homily, Cardinal Ray praised Tomko's life work of dedication to the creation of numerous new dioceses the construction of new churches, education centers, social centers, and the development of missionary cooperation of the Pontifical Mission Societies in many countries. Rest in peace. The Epic Times reports 200 sex trafficking victims, 37 missing children located during FBI operation. 200 sex trafficking victims and 37 missing children were found during the first two weeks of August in a nationwide sweep known as Operation Cross Country. Children are being bought and sold for sex in communities across the country by traffickers, gangs, and even family members, says Michelle DeLone, president of NCO of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Um, we're proud to support the FBI's efforts, efforts to prioritize the, the safety of children. This national operation highlights the need for all child-serving professionals to continue to focus on the well-being of children and youth to prevent them from being targeted in the first place, she said. And the Daily Caller reports Minneapolis public schools to fire white teachers first, thanks to Teachers Union. Starting with the spring 2023 budget tie-out schedule, if accessing a teacher who is a member of a population underrepresented among licensed teachers in the state, the district shall access the next least senior teacher who is not a member of an underrepresented population, the contract reads. Minority teachers may also be exempted from district-wide layoffs outside of seniority order and given priority reinstatement according to the contract. The contract attempts to protect teachers at 15 so-called racially isolated schools from layoffs. These schools house the greatest concentration of poverty within the district. The race-based firing process is intended to make up for supposed past discrimination by the district, the district disproportionately impacting the hiring of underrepresented teachers in the district. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God and all thanks. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Um, joining us right now is Bishop Joseph Strickland. He is the bishop in Tyler, Texas, and uh, we're very grateful for your time this morning, Bishop. God bless you and God love you. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Your Excellency, recently His Holiness Pope Francis, on a plane ride back from Canada, said this. Uh, he said, quote, dogma, morality, is always on a path of development, but always developing in the same direction. Uh, he cited St. Vincent of Larens as saying that tr the true doctrine in order to move forward to develop must not be still. It develops. It is consolidated over time. It expands and consolidates. It becomes always more solid, but always progressing. That is why the duty of theologians is research theological reflection. You cannot do theology with a no in front of it. Then it is up to the magisterium to say, no, you've gone too far. 
come back, but theological development must be open. That's what theologians are for, and the magisterium must help to understand the limits. Close quote. That's His Holiness Pope Francis. Now, what's interesting is, uh, as of recently, the last month or so, the Pontifical Academy for Life uh, in uh, the JP2 Pontifical Academy, at least some members of it, have been espousing an idea of overturning Humanae Vitae and allowing contraception to become... Uh, I guess, okay. Uh, it's a, there's a debate on this. So can you give us some insight from your perspective, Bishop Joseph Strickland? Well, yes, thanks, Joe. Um, I think what it comes down to really simply is unchangeable truth. And one of the things, one word that I caught in, I believe what you were quoting from Pope Francis that I would totally agree in is the word solid. Um, the truth is solid. It is not uh, fully known. It is a mystery that to say that we fully know God is is simply not understanding the great mystery of God. That is really more in the Greek uh, in sense of mysterion, just deeper truth than we can fathom. It's not the idea of like a you know sort of a murder mystery that we would have in common language and the way we understand mystery. It's not a puzzle that is uh, kind of to be figured out, but it's just a deep truth that really, I think what we have to acknowledge is always beyond us. And one thing that I'm learning as I get older um, is that we always have to have the perspective of history when we're looking at solid truth, at, at unchangeable truth in our lives. And it's interesting that in my lifetime, um, humane vitae, the whole question of the sanctity of life and certainly contraception interfering with the conception of new life, all of those questions have been very present in the world in the past, you know, just about 100 years, I guess, since they first really begin, began developing ways to contracept, to intercept or interfere, uh, you might say, with the natural processes. Certainly, um, ways of avoiding pregnancy from uh, the marital act have, through the ages, there have been, you know, ways that they've, that people have tried to do that, not accepting um, the, the plan of God, and that's not a new thing in humanity, but I think it is in our time this question of the sanctity of life and the who is the author of life. All of those questions whirl around. And thankfully, with Humane Vitae, which was very controversial in that time. I mean, I was just a kid and only learned of it later. But as I've talked to my parents and my older brothers and sisters even, that was really a headline similar to what we see in the world these days with questions. And, of course, it was in the context of the immediately post-Vatican II church, and a lot of questions were whirling around. But Pope Paul VI, to the surprise of many, now St. Paul VI, um, many were surprised that he came down the way he did with Humanae Vitae. And I think that's a sign that the Holy Spirit... Um, guided the Pope, as we know that is the promise of Christ for the Church, that the Church 
and the Pope will be guided by the Holy Spirit. Um, that, I think, is something that we need to be very clear on. And just simply to acknowledge that truth doesn't change, certainly it develops. We develop our understanding of truth. God is truth. God is love. God is everlasting, eternal truth. Um, and I think that with questions like this, at some point, we just have to acknowledge we're not God. We don't, in this life, understand all things, but we trust what God has revealed to us. And I think that any who are maybe hoping that the church will change her teaching, which she can't really, but I would really uh, look back to what Paul the Sixth said. What he predicted, if people don't embrace the truth that Humanae Vitae proclaimed, which the culture hasn't, and many in the church haven't. In that time, many in the church didn't accept what Humanae Vitae said, and we basically have the world that Paul VI uh, prophesied with a denigration of women and family and children and, and all the things that have unraveled in our society since um, Humanae Vitae was pretty much rejected by too many. And I have to admit, as a younger priest, it was not a question that I was really focused on or encouraged to focus on. It's only been in later years that I've seen it as a vital question that thankfully was answered correctly in Humanae Vitae. And we just have to keep reinforcing that, whatever the pushback of the culture wanting us to relax it so that they can do what they're already doing with a, with a clean conscience. Is this an issue that you think is going to further divide the church? I mean, it's, it seems like uh, there are a few issues like that in our, in our day, in our time, and uh, are bishops lining up on one side or the other on this issue already? Well, um, I would say probably uh, there are... Well, you don't hear a lot about Humanae Vitae. You don't hear a lot of or read a lot about um, contraception and uh, just recently, because of the anniversary of Humanae Vitae, we heard a bit more and the, the questions about natural family planning and is that just Catholic contraception, all of those questions. I think like with most things, we just have to acknowledge, I mean, if you did a survey of the bishops of the world or the bishops of the U.S., you are going to get some division there. Um, I think it is one of the questions where some disagree, as happened when Humanae Vitae was issued. But I think in our time, we have to see very clearly to look to the truth that the Church has proclaimed. We just celebrated the Assumption of the Immaculate Virgin Mary. That is something that the Church has held for true for many centuries. And with mm. uh, Paul, uh, Pope Pius XII, it became promulgated as a basic dogma of our faith, the Assumption of Mary. Hold that thought, Bishop Joseph Strickland from the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. Our guests are talking about this uh, conversation over the overturning of Humanae Vitae and contraception being made okay again. We're going to have that conversation next. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. I would imagine your pastor preaches from the text which says, We preach Jesus Christ crucified. So then, where's the crucifix in your church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Under the dread of persecution and death, the crucifix was displayed at Mass, but with great caution due to the threats of the Roman emperors and the pagan haters of Christianity. Traveling up through time, Pope Pius V in 1570 made it mandatory to display a crucifix in every church. Secondly, the Bible. 1 Corinthians 1 says, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block. You see, there was never any embarrassment of his corpse. In fact, two men of great renown, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, boldly handled the dead body of Jesus. And thirdly, my comeback. You see, at times, the early church held Mass in the catacombs to honor the shed blood of the brave martyrs. Sad to say, many contemporary churches don't even have a cross in their church, let alone a crucifix. Also, could a crucifix on your neck cause others to think you are Catholic? St. Peter, it must have been horrible when you heard that rooster crow. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Bishop Joseph Strickland is our guest. We're talking about uh, these uh, rumors and these conversation, this debate that's coming out of the Pontifical Academy for Life about Humanae Vitae and uh, contraception again. You know, in his 1968 encyclical Humanae Vitae, St. Paul VI wrote that any action which either before, at the moment of, or after <clears throat> sexual intercourse is specifically intent, that is specifically intended to prevent procreation, whether as an end or as a means, is excluded as an unlawful means of birth control. And what's interesting is there seems to be a debate about whether or not uh, Pope St. Paul VI intended this to be infallibly declared. Uh, they're arguing that, no, it didn't, it was just mere opinion or suggestion. And yet I'm reading from an article out of the National Catholic Register, and there's this section here by Dominican Father Thomas Petrie, president of the Dominican House of Studies in Washington, D.C., noted that even critics of the teaching on contraception have, quote, acknowledged that this was always the church's teaching, close quote, and that nowhere in the church's teaching has there been permissiveness of any form of contraception. Father Petrie goes on to say it's part of the ordinary universal magisterium of the church. So, Bishop Strickland, um, there's a debate here. Did Paul VI declare this? you know, from his authority as the Pope uh, of the Church? Or is this his, just his mere opinion and we can take it or leave it? Uh, there seems to be a, a debate. This seems to be the issue that those that would want contraception in the Church, this is their, their get-out-of-jail-free card, it seems. What say you, Bishop Strickland? Well, I think the uh, Dominican priest that you quote uh, really says it correctly. And... We have to uh, acknowledge that the, the truth remains. We understand it more clearly and more deeply, as Pope Francis indicated in that quote, that it, it goes always in the same direction, of deeper into the truth. And what uh, Paul the, Pope Paul VI did in proclaiming Humanae Vitae 
I really go back to what Pius XII did with proclaiming the Assumption of Mary. It wasn't changing anything. It wasn't anything really new. It was reiterating and emphasizing the solid and stable tradition in the teaching of the Church in both instances. And so, as the Dominican priest said, the the Church has always taught that interfering in whatever ways, like I said, before the pill, people were finding ways in medieval times. I mean, humanity has looked for ways to avoid consequences and, and all kinds of things. And certainly, contraception, there have been various efforts, some some old wives' uh, tales or remedies that, that would be used. So there's been an attempt to get around the consequences of when a man and woman come together in that intimate embrace. Um, but the church has always said, no, that is not, that's contrary to what God is planning. And that's where we get off track. Uh, so it's not, humanity vitae wasn't just merely the opinion of one pope. And we have to be careful with that idea at any time. I mean, uh, the, the teachings of the pope should be echoing the, the deposit of faith, uh, echoing what the apostles taught and all through the ages. And that's what um, Humanae Vitae did. It, it, the question came up because of the pill and new technologies, new abilities. I mean, there are all kinds of ways that contraception is practiced now, and that's what Paul VI was addressing in our modern world but it wasn't uh, a change of teaching, and it wasn't a new teaching, but it was a reaffirmation that for the Catholic Church and for the Christian perspective, we have to look to what is God's plan in every situation, and especially with the intimacy of a man and woman and what should be a marriage between a man and woman for life, open to life, that simple phrase, open to life, addresses the issue of contraception, and that has always been the teaching of the Church. I agree with you, Your Excellency, but let me propose something else. Uh, you know, I think we're at a point where we have a crisis of catechesis, and there's a lot of people out there who will uh, take a statement uh, said by the Pontifical Academy for Life as something authoritative, and then they'll they'll be in a position where you know, they might think contraception is okay, practically speaking, if they did repeal or, or do something to damage the reputation of humana vitae, uh, practically speaking, are these people going to be culpable? And what should people actually hold to at that, at that point? Well, um, ultimately, Joe, they have to, to hold to the truth and to be very careful about uh, going back to what Pope Francis said, if it's, if it's going in, if it's reversing direction, if it's changing something, I would encourage, you know, the, the individual Catholic can't say, well, the Pontifical Academy said it's okay, so I've got to get a, get a free card here. Um, we all have to look at the truth and do our best to, to live up to it. We can't point to really anyone else and so I would just encourage people, the culpability question, I mean, that's always ultimately between that person and God, but we, I would caution people to be very careful, especially, it's interesting, Joe, just in my observation, 
with all the controversies that whirl around now and 20 years ago and 50 years ago, it, it always seems that even going back 500 years with the Protestant Reformation, um, many times when things are changed, it's not getting more challenging. It's not saying we're going to embrace the, the life of Christ even more deeply. It's getting easier. It's, it's kind of relaxing. And I think I would encourage just the, the average Joe, which I'm an average Joe, uh, <laughs> that's just trying to do their best to put up a caution line anytime something comes out that's changing things and it's making it easier. If it's making it easier, I think we need to look to Christ, to the cross and the passion that he suffered. Um, following him is not easy. And if it's getting easier, that's a, at least a, a yellow caution light to say, maybe I should be very slow to change my way of living and, and what I believe is true. Uh, if, if this new teaching is making things easier, I would put up a caution light. Your Excellency, uh, my little brother, he actually goes to school in your diocese over at Stephen F. Austin. And he was uh, just at the at your cathedral for the Latin Mass there, and he was blown away. He told me he was he's going to start trying to drive all the way out from Nacogdoches to Tyler to come to Mass there. And it just made me think of the fact that, you know, when Benedict XVI wrote Samorum Pontificum, he said, what earlier generation held as sacred remains sacred and great for us too and cannot be all of a sudden entirely forbidden or even considered harmful. And obviously here he's talking about the liturgy, but I think this also applies to the entire tradition of the church, whether it be the teaching on contraception or any number of other things that may come up in different situations. And I think this, and I want you to get your comments on this, what is it about the tradition of the church that attracts young people, and including, because people automatically think tradition, okay, we're referring to the Latin Mass, but it also... It's the tradition of the church, the teachings of the church. When, what the modern people would say is, oh, we need to allow people to have contraception. It will draw more Catholics in. The young people will be more likely to come in. But we've seen the opposite. Why is it that these hard teachings that the church demands of us actually draws in more young people and draws in more faithful? Well, really, Joe, I think that gets to the very basic reality that our faith is about following a real person, Jesus Christ, who lived for 33 years in the first century in what we now call the Holy Land. Um, he lived and died and rose. That is our faith. Jesus Christ, a real human being. Um, and I think that the people like your brother are discovering him more deeply in some of these traditions. And like you said, it's all tradition. It's not some, you know, a few things here and there, but the traditions of all the teachings of the church, ministry to the poor, um, the great work that's done there, the everything that the church has done, the, the traditions of the church really come back to the, the great saints that have done their best to conform their lives to Christ. That, he is the, the center of the church. He's the heart of the church. And I always urge people to to come closer to his sacred heart. I think that's what's happening with your brother. He may not put it in those terms, but what he's seeing is the mystery and the depth of encountering 
Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. And Jesus Christ doesn't change from, he's not, uh, you know, some sort of a phantasm that changes from this to that. He's a real flesh and blood human being that is also God's eternal divine Son, the great mystery of Jesus that we can never fathom. But I think that's who people are attracted to, not so much what, but they are attracted to the person of Jesus Christ, that they see aspects of his face in the Eucharist, in the teachings of the church, and in any manifestation that really brings us into the depth of the mystery of Emmanuel, God with us. So to me, that's the answer, and that's why we have to continue to support all the people that are coming to a deeper faith Mm -hmm. in whatever avenues. If they're coming closer to Christ, it's the church's job to support that and for all of us to seek to live Christ more deeply. Amen. We're down to just uh, seconds with Bishop Joseph Strickland. Uh, Bishop, what do you think the chances are that His Holiness Pope Francis would go along with this and seemingly allow contraception uh, in the church? Really, I, I don't think it's likely. Um, there have been, you know, discussions of things. I think it may be left um, somewhat confusing, but um, I don't foresee, I, I hope not, uh, any clear uh, teaching that reverses uh, humane vitae or the Church's teaching on contraception. Um, but I think probably some confusion and lack of clarity is what we will probably be with for quite some time. All right. Praise be to God. We're out of time. But Bishop Joseph Strickland, Bishop of Tyler uh, in Texas, God bless you. God love you, Bishop. Thank you for your time today. We're so very grateful to you. Thanks, Joe. God bless. God bless you. Have a great day, Bishop. That is going to do it for hour number one. If you can join us in the second hour, Brent Haynes, attorney, Catholic speaker, an activist is going to be our guest. We're going to catch up on that uh, the fallout of the Trump raid in Mar-a-Lago from the FBI. Uh, cooler heads must prevail, according to Donald Trump. We'll get that in the latest, plus a lot more. And fear and trembling all coming up next. We'll see you there. God bless you. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Eve Gambo is a real Guadalupe radio listener. To help her explain the impact that Catholic radio has had on her life, we had Rocky come in and help her tell her story. Before I was able to listen to Catholic radio, I would listen to other Christian radio stations. 
just because there was no Catholic radio. Hey, you know, Mickey always tells me, you know, Catholic radio, you know, it's kind of like having an angel on your shoulder. Those other stations were okay, but I always felt like something was missing. Catholic radio is a huge blessing because it shares the full truth. Well, it was like a wake-up call, kind of like getting punched with an uppercut, only with the truth. Please, if you have not made a pledge of support to keep Guadalupe Radio on the air, do it now. And if you have made a pledge, please fulfill that pledge. I want to make sure that I always have my Catholic radio station. Yeah, make sure you send in your pledge. You know, you can do so by going to grnonline.com or 888-784-3476. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, this is Kim. This is Courage. And this is Chastity from 321 Voices. And you are listening to 1430 AM. Radio for your soul. KSHJ, Houston. Praise be to God. Good morning. Good morning. Great conversation with Bishop Joseph Strickland. It makes me think, you know, if in fact there is uh, some vagueness coming out of the Vatican about Humani Vitae and contraception, and some Catholics are going to be like, yeah, we can contracept. Like, it's okay now. But the church doesn't actually change its teaching on that, which it's not going to, by the way. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, I wonder if a future council would have to be convened in order to clarify and sort of settle the issue. Uh, Casti Canubi, uh, yeah. even, even John Paul II called it intrinsically evil. So I'm not sure what more you need to be able to say, yeah, the church isn't up for this. They're not going to allow this. This is part of the ordinary magisterium. It's always been taught this way. So no amount of loopholes, ambiguous language, and hey, look over there, squirrel, uh, is going to get you out of trouble on this. So I wonder if, in fact, there is some sort of uh, vagueness that is allowed to ferment whether or not a future council will have to be convened in order to set the issue to bed permanently. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a long council, let me tell you, because there's been several years of ambiguity and, and just confusing teachings there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, souls are at stake. So souls Was that a uh, joke to put it to bed there? To put it to bed. <laughs> <laughs> to bed. <laughs> you, didn't like, you didn't like that? Pun got him. Pun not intended. Hashtag we are all Joe. Hashtag we are all Joe. Hey, man. I ask the best questions. It's true. You really do. But, you know, it's really interesting, though, because it is fascinating that the Catholics are not attracted to the the church that gives everybody what they want. Mm-hmm. If uh, if they cave to the world and says just do whatever you want, those churches are empty. It's the churches that demand much or saying, hey, mm-hmm. you know how like there's like an optional like you could eat, you could like just give up meat on Fridays mm-hmm. if if you want mm-hmm. to, you don't have to. Yeah. And it's those churches that are like, yeah, you should do that. And then those are the churches that are full. It's kind of interesting. It's like um, human beings desire to sacrifice and to do hard things. When things are too easy, it's like. Why am I doing this again? It's, yeah. it's, it's too it's too simple. Well, it's, it's like easy. the bishop was saying, you know, that, that uh, it's liberating when you have this, uh, this these parameters for you to live out your faith. You know, so it definitely is uh, 
a good reason why those churches are are filled to the brim. Yeah. Standing room only. Mm-hmm. Got to get there early. Be fruitful and multiply. The very first command given to the married couple in mm. the garden by our Lord. Unless you want a Corvette. <laughs> Unless, and of course, you want... That. You, you forgot that in the second home. It's in the second home. I just want first home. Ford F-150 Raptor, <laughs> Midnight Blue, uh, what else? Uh, quads. You want quads? Uh, dirt uh, bikes? You, gotta, uh, you have to check the footnotes. I want a brand new camera. Uh, the footnotes of Genesis clearly nice say that be fruitful and multiply unless you've already had two kids, in which case... Yeah, you're good. Kind of a little bit of a you're it's good. Right. Once you collect them uh, all, you no longer need to have yeah. kids. Praise be to God. No need to have kids anymore. Don't worry. Uh, there's plenty of immigrants coming to the country that are going to have kids for you. Actually, Don't sweat it's it. bad for the planet. Is it? Yeah, kids? And can't have cows. kids. Kids, Kids cows, cows uh, yeah. nitrogen. <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, Bishop Joseph Strickland, all shenanigans aside, Bishop Joseph Strickland speaking at the Fullness of Truth Conference in San Antonio this weekend, a conference that I helped to establish actually back in 2009 when I worked for the Fullness of Truth Catholic Evangelization Ministries, praise be to God, uh, going strong. And it's uh, one of their greatest conferences still to this date. It's always a fun and wonderful time for the whole family you know, that lazy river there in the High Hill Country Resort, woo, man, worth the price of admission, man. It was just so good. Uh, so uh, if you have the chance, you live in the San Antonio, South and Central Texas region, you can always go to their fullnessoftruth.org website, find details. Uh, I'm sure you, you can still get tickets. I don't know. You should check it out, though. Bishop Strickland will be one of the many co- conference speakers here this weekend. Hey, joining us uh, right now by phone is our good friend, friend of the show, attorney, Catholic speaker, uh, Brent Haynes. Good morning to you, Brent Haynes. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Are you a radical today? Are you packing heat? Do you have your rosary? <laughs> so the enemy finally figured out the uh, you know what what good Catholics have known uh, for <laughs> hundreds of years. And, you know what good priests have taught that yes, the rosary really is a weapon because we really are engaged in ultimately a spiritual battle. Mm. Um, gee, who knew they would finally figure that out, Joe? Yeah, golly, you is. You know, I, I've heard this argument before, though. That there are a certain group of people, even Catholics, who really don't like uh, weapon-like language being used in conjunction with the Holy Rosary. It really offends them. And I can get a sensitivity to to that. But at the same time, it's just silly on the surface. It's a spiritual weapon, for crying out loud. And we all know that. We are, as St. Paul said, battling the powers and the principalities. It's angelic forces that we are at war with. And this is such a gift to us as a sacramental to be able to pray it and to ask the Queen of Heaven and Earth to intercede for our needs and intentions, and she is happy to do so, as uh, you know, the Book of Revelation would suggest in chapter 12. But uh, nonetheless, it, what a hilarious set of memes have now clouded the world, thanks to thanks to the Atlantic and this author over there. So I thought that was just hilarious. And by the way, my rosary does actually have nine millimeter shells, as they are Father beads. Um, so well, <laughs> I, when I go through airports, I always get a second pass and a second look. And like sometimes they'll throw them through the, the, uh, the, the, what do you call that thing? The x-ray, uh, machine. x-ray machine, like a couple of times and they'll pull it out and they'll, they'll, they'll finger the beads. And I'm like, Hey man, you want to pray it? Let's do this. You know, they're like, here, take it, go on with yourself. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's Be careful. Well, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do with the, uh, prayer of St. Michael, the archangel? Right. Are not supposed to pray yeah. that either? No, I guess not. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. that's. You know, we've we've had that prayer for how long? Yeah, and that obviously is a a 
a fighting, a reference to fighting. Yeah. It's a recognition, you know, so. I often ask yeah. Our Lady to crush the head of Satan. <laughs> I mean, that's her Where'd job. You get, where'd, you get that, uh, where'd you get that idea, Joe? <laughs> yeah. Well, the uh, the other weapon of mass destruction, apparently, the, the Bible. <laughs> I mean, so uh, it's hilarious anyway. But let's talk, let's change subjects. Let's talk about Donald Trump. A lot of, I mean, it's still dominating the news, the whole FBI raid upon Mar-a-Lago and, uh, and whatnot. And, and even Donald Trump apparently is now asking for cooler heads to prevail a little concerned about the temperature in our country today. So what's been the fallout, Brent Haynes? Well, you're right. It's dominating the news, and it should. Uh, the, uh, the procedure, the, you know, the action by the FBI um, is at best highly questionable. Um, if they really believe there were documents there that the president should not have had, the former president, um, they should have continued to negotiate if, if, if uh, President Trump refused to turn them over, they should have used a subpoena. If a subpoena was not successful, uh, what you do then as an attorney is you go to court like civil people in a civilized society, and you get a court order to enforce the subpoena. Um, only if you think there is some imminent threat and there, there really is some crime that you intend to prosecute do you go in and, and use a search warrant and raid them like they did. Um, you know, this is getting a lot of spin by by uh, the media. Uh, a lot of times, it does depend on who you watch. But the fact of the matter is, uh, presidents always have some sort of disagreement with the archivist and and the uh, federal officials uh, who remain, remain behind when they leave the White House. They naturally want to take a lot of their papers with them, um, and th they get resolved without. You know, without the FBI raiding their house, you know, the idea that the uh, that there was something really desperate that required that was of such urgency that the warrant had to be executed is simply you know false on the face when you consider the chronology. First of all, they've been negotiating and dealing with uh, Trump and his his office, you know, the office of the former president, uh, for months. They were there in June. We know that. Um, they got the warrant on a Friday afternoon, but they didn't execute it until a Monday morning. You know, none of these are signs that there was any urgency that, ju you know, that justified uh, an FBI raid uh, because of the national interest. Mm. Uh, then when you put this in the context of other actions by the FBI, it, it, just, it, it just looks very questionable. Um, it could be that there is some violation of law. It could be there's a technical violation, but the President Trump didn't have criminal intent. You know, the classification of documents, whether it classified them or not, you know, that's all very subjective. Um, Co James Comey took documents home. He admitted it. Um, we know what happened with Hillary Clinton. Uh, she absolutely destroyed records, including confidential records, uh, when she refused to turn over her computer and she mm -hmm. wiped her server. Um, neither one of those had their homes raided. We talked last week about how the Pentagon Papers back in the 1970s relating to the Vietnam War had been leaked from the Department of Defense, and the federal government uh, did not want them published and went to court to stop them from being published. It went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, but there was never a raid of the offices of the New York Times or Washington Post or those reporters. But you look at the FBI's behavior today, and you know, they raided the office uh, or the home, of a reporter for Project Veritas because he had a diary, allegedly had a diary of the president's daughter. 
the uh, you know another action by the FBI that is very important that in my judgment is not receiving the attention it deserves. You'll hear you'll hear some coverage of it, but the FBI uh, a day after seizing uh, you know the papers of President Trump's home, they seized the phone of a United States congressman. Uh, now they copied it and then they gave it back to him. But that's not the point. The point is that they seized the phone. They copied all the information on it. You, Joe, you and every listener out there knows that we have all kinds of personal information on our cell phones. Yep. The Supreme Court handed down a, a decision in 2014 called Riley versus California, in which they said if police want to get a uh, get a get information from a cell phone when they arrest somebody, they actually have to get a separate warrant for the cell phone because, as the Supreme Court said, cell phones are mini computers. And this hasn't gotten a lot of coverage. Now, look, it's entirely possible that this congressman has committed some crime and the uh, FBI are really, I mean, a, a, you know, a regular, traditional a crime that everybody recognizes, not a political crime. You know, not something that is a matter of political interpretation. It's entirely possible he did that. Back in 2006, a Louisiana congressman, William Jefferson, his house was raided, and the FBI found $90,000 in his freezer <laughs> because, he was, because he was taking bribes. Cold, you know, he was all hard crazy. cash, literally. Cold, hard cash, Joe. And so, you know, certainly the FBI needs to be able to do things like that. But uh, historically, the FBI has not... Uh, taken law enforcement actions within a, a time close to elections. We are not less than 90 days away yeah. from the... Yeah, it from smells the of a political stunt, no matter how you feel about Donald Trump or whether or not he'll run. It's just, it just smacks and reeks of a political stunt. But let's go... Let me ask you a follow-up on the warrant itself. What kind of warrant did they have? It seems to me that they were allowed pretty wide berth here, the FBI. They could search well, anything and everything of the president's resident the former president's residence take whatever papers they wanted to include uh, attorney client privilege documents now that had nothing to do with classified documents apparently well first uh, we won't know the real details and the real story about the warrant until we see the affidavit that supports the warrant a lot of people think that the warrant itself is the key issue. Obviously, the warrant is the court order. But any time a, a police officer or any kind of law enforcement officer, including an FBI agent, wants to get a warrant, they have to explain to a judge or a magistrate uh, why they want the warrant. And they have to do that in writing. They can't just telephone a judge and say, hey, judge, you know, I want to execute a warrant on, on this uh, particular person. And the judge says, yeah, that sounds, like, that sounds like you have a good reason. Go ahead. No, it has to be in writing, of course. That affidavit is what spells out everything and will explain the probable cause, which is a constitutional requirement, for the search that the FBI agent alleged and that the magistrate approved. And now they're in court arguing over whether or not you know, the, the, the warrant affidavit will be released. Now, having said that, in any, uh, any time officers go and look for evidence, they're going to write the warrant broadly enough that they can conduct a search sufficient to find all the evidence. I've been part of warrants doing that. I've been on warrant executions doing that. But here, whether it was written broadly or not, they certainly over-executed because they took the president's uh, passport. Yes, they took they his passport. passport.
Hey, Brent, we're out of time. We'll have to catch up with you again next week. But uh, thanks for giving us the fallout news of this story that continues to dominate the headlines. Brent Haynes, attorney and Catholic speaker. We'll see you next week. Hey, coming up after the break, fear and trembling. You could win prizes. 877-757-9424. I had a theology professor who told me that Adam and Eve were just myths and that the rest of Genesis was all just legend. Is that what the church teaches? Absolutely not. The church has always taught that Adam and Eve were real people and were the first human beings from whom all other human beings are descended. In 1950, Pope Pius XII in the encyclical Humani Generis states, The faithful cannot embrace the opinion that after Adam there existed on this earth true men who did not take their origin through natural generation from Adam, or that Adam represents a certain number of first parents. In other words, the church teaches that all humanity descended from Adam and Eve. They were real people. Paragraph 38. This encyclical, in fact, clearly points out the first 11 chapters of Genesis do nevertheless pertain to history in a true sense. Again, Adam and Eve are not myths, and the rest of Genesis is not legend. Genesis is history in a true sense. Paragraph 39. Therefore, whatever of the popular narrations have been inserted into the sacred scriptures must in no way be considered on a par with myths or other such things. Can it be stated any clearer than that? The Catechism says, paragraph 375, the church teaches that our first parents, Adam and Eve, no mention of a myth here, paragraph 404, by yielding to the tempter, Adam and Eve committed a personal sin. Someone please tell me how do myths commit personal sins? Adam and Eve's are not myths. Genesis does not contain myth or legend. That is church teaching. Challenge anyone who teaches differently to produce their sources from a magisterial document. They can't do it. They can, however, produce countless books and articles by theologians. Not good enough. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. Catholic Trivia Game Show that has secrets and agendas. And you're not allowed to tell anybody. So don't tell anybody. All right? I mean, like, just keep it between us. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, stop it. You're tweeting. Don't do not do that. Don't tweet my secrets out. All right? All right, here's the deal. Uh, we have three Catholic Trivia questions in front of us. But we don't ask caller any of these questions. So they don't need to know. Praise be to God. That's like the real kicker here. But the secret is, I like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions, and they may learn something. You may learn something you didn't know before about your Catholic faith. Praise be to God. We like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. And our callers are actually amazing. They laugh with us. We enjoy that most. And then we give out prizes, which means it's a winner for everyone involved. You learn something, and you might win something, and it's super easy, praise be to God. The reason why I don't ask the caller the questions is because instead of asking them, I'm going to ask Rudy and Adrian. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more? 
And then if they get it right, every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence, the original coffee cup of Divine Providence, to win this week's prize. The one, the only, mm -hmm. yes, officially endorsed replica of the coffee cup of Divine Providence. Today, well, excuse me, this week we have a shorter week, so our sponsor is going to be Catholic Drive Time. You're going to be nice. the envy of your friends and Ooh, neighbors man. as you sip your favorite refreshing beverage yeah. from your trusty autographed, might I add, CDT mug. That's good. It's always better out of a CDT mug. <laughs> Too bad I don't know. Just imagine here. Folgers in a CDT mug. The best part of waking up is CDT mug. And we should make that rhyme, though. Yeah, something like that. Something like, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> praise be to God. Uh, so congratulations if you are the winner ahead of time. I'm just going to like think ahead here, but you still have chances. You got tomorrow, you got uh, Thursday, you got Friday. Plenty of chances to get in on the prize. So uh, stick around. If you don't get on today, you can try back tomorrow. Let's go to the phones. Donnie and Tony, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Praise be to God. We are alive. How are you? We're good. Well, that, alive. that counts, doesn't it? I mean, it's... Yes. It's, it's Tuesday, praise be to Jesus. And where are you calling from? Um, and we're calling from Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. This is not, not from Rowlett, the, the, the busting metropolis of Rowlett. Started there, now in Dallas. <laughs> now in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> praise be to God. And remind us, uh, once again, where do you go to church? Um, we go to... Um, Sacred Heart. Sacred, Sacred Heart. Heart. Yes. Praise be to God. I think I haven't been to Sacred Heart in 12 years, maybe. It's been a long time. Now, Tony, uh, are you are you back in school? What's your what's your status today? Um, today, no, I'm in, um, in the, um, I'm in, um, the, I'm vocational? in, um, I'm in the vocational center. Wow, that sounds like fun. What do you get to do there? Well, um, I go to work in mornings, and after that, I have lunch and classes. And, yes, and I have classes. Wow. Nice. Exciting. Praise be to God, Tony. I'm, I'm happy for you, my friend. It looks like you're going to have a great full day. And uh, we're going to get started here. I know you're a, you're a regular. You are a CDT insider. You know how this works. But you should be warned, Brother Rudy is wearing a tie today, so you're going to have to correlate that information accordingly. But we will start with Team Rudy, as is our custom, our patrimony and church-approved tradition. Good morning to you, Team Rudy. Good morning. And we are wearing a solid mm -hmm. Oxblood Gigam Ox Aggies tie. Gigam Aggies. Do they say, I don't think they say Gigam Aggies in Dallas. Gigam? I think they're like uh, up there. What? Like you got... North Texas, I guess, has a team. But then there's the the, the Horn Frogs or whatever they're called, Codes. <laughs> I forget TCU. I think. Uh, nonetheless, uh, let's just see how this goes. Uh, are you ready, sir? I am ready. Praise be to God. Let's start with a history question. Some uh, of my favorite good. of all quiz questions are history questions. Yes. So let's get this started. Correct here. Could you tell me who was the last non-Italian pope? The last non-Italian pope. Oh, before John Paul II. Before John Paul II. Yeah. Oh, thanks for, for the clarity. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that changes see, things. I can see the look uh, on your okay. face. Okay, well, yeah. that's, okay, so that's Pope St. Evaristus. 
Really? Yes. Pope Saint Everistus. Pope Saint, yes. Pope Saint Everistus. Yeah. Was a saint to you, pal. Okay. Everistus. Uh, last night, Italian folk, you say. Mm-hmm. Saint Everistus. It's pretty mm-hmm. rare. Yeah. Uh, that's a tall order right there. Is what that is. Uh, but let's just see what uh, Brother Adrian says. Now, Adrian, I- I'm pretty sure I read on Twitter you have advanced degrees in popology. Uh, maybe you could answer this question. Who was the last non-Italian pope prior to JP2. Mm, yes. So it's a common uh, misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. I actually mm-hmm. don't have a PhD oh, in no. topology. It's really? actually on mm-hmm. non Italian popes. Oh, specific yeah. to? Yeah, specifically. Wow. Yeah, I have a PhD is in <laughs> with a minor. on non Italian popes. <laughs> with a minor in popology. I see. There you go. Yeah, it's, see. it's a, a okay. common mistake. Non Italian popes. Wow. No, but that pope would be Pope. Adrian the sixth of Utrecht. <laughs> Are you being serious? I'm being serious. Pope Adrian the sixth of Utrecht. Mm-hmm. Utrecht's what? The Netherlands? I believe so. Are you yeah. sure? No the idea. Netherlands? Yeah. So no he was idea. a he was a Dutchman then you say. By the way, there's wheat there in uh-huh. Utrecht, which is okay. blue. Interesting. All that right. Interesting. Well, uh, Donnie and Tony, you've got options today. You could certainly uh, go with either Brother Adrian, who said it was Pope Adrian the sixth of Utrecht. In the year 1522 to 1523, or as Adrian seemed to think, it was Pope Rudy? Saint Arut. No, it was Rudy who says Pope Saint Evaristus. It was Adrian who said Pope Adrian the Sixth. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Donnie and Tony, what say you? Someone is tricking me. I'm going with Adrian. <laughs> wow. Yes. Speaking of Adrian. Can't trick him. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of Adrian. Very cool. It Very is, cool. in fact, the correct answer is Adrian the Sixth of Utrecht. In the 16th century. Yeah, so Everistus, not a thing. Wow. It's a no Italian pope for like 400 years. No pope has ever climbed it, as far as I know. Uh, so there you go. That's actually a real pope. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, okay, it here we go. Second question. We're going to go to Adrian this time. Uh-oh. <clears throat> Adrian? Uh, you are often found getting down on your knees. Could you tell me, what is the only relic which receives a genuflection when exposed? Yes, yeah, so this is a trick question from the tricky Joe McLean. What? Yep, no. yep. There I'm are no relics mm-hmm. and that you mm-hmm. should genuflect to when exposed. What? The only thing you genuflect to when exposed is the Holy Sacrament. Interesting. And you genuflect on two knees. Interesting. Okay, um, hmm, let's just see what Rudy says. Rudy, perhaps you could enlighten us. Uh, What is the only relic which receives a genuflection when exposed? The only relic, very interesting story, by the way, I would look into it, is the relic of the true cross. Oh. Very interesting way it was found. Maybe we can talk about it in the after show. So you're saying... Only the cross. When they bring out the relic of the true cross, we would get on our knees. Oh, yeah, you better. Okay. Huh. Interesting. All right, uh, Donnie and Tony, you've got options. Rudy says you could genuflect, you should genuflect to a relic of the true cross. Uh, Adrian says, eh, not going to happen. It's only to the Blessed Sacrament. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Donnie and Tony in Dallas, Texas. What say you? I love it, Joe. It's going to be Adrian again. <laughs> I don't think... No, go the other way. I'm so sorry. Oh, I just... 
uh, yeah, let's it's reflect over, on who was tricky there. It's over. I'm just, <laughs> just take a moment and take that in. Uh, but anyway, uh, Rudy was in fact correct. Uh, a relic of the true cross is when we would genuflect to a relic. So, And I've been fortunate and blessed to do that on a number of occasions. Yeah. But we learned something, Tony. So Don't fret. We learned something. Uh, you're in the cup. regular genuflection. You could win. You might win again. Let's just see here. We're going to get you in for another uh, another uh, question, which I think is probably the easiest of all. We will start with Rudy again. Rudy, can you tell me what is Martyrion? Uh, Martyrion. Martyrion. Thank you. I think it's Greek. It's the official Vatican archive with all of the names of the confirmed martyrs. Uh, Martyrion. That's right. You're saying it's a Vatican archive? Yep. It's just an archive, so think about a book. Database. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a paper. Not digital, so it's got all the names. It's on. a phone app. Yeah. No, no. With not AI phone app. and integrated reality. Uh, no? Uh, no. Okay. Adrian, can you tell me, what is Martyrion? Yes. In Latin, it would be pronounced Martyrium, but in Greek, Martyrion. And... It is the it is the place where the relics of martyrs are buried. All right, uh, Donnie and Tony, Martyrion is it the place where martyrs are buried, or is it just a database, someplace in the Vatican archives, someplace somewhere under deep mounts of dust uh, that Rudy seems to suggest? So Adrian's on the board for the burial place. Rudy's on the board for the Vatican archive. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Tony and Donnie, what say you? Mm, okay, I'm going to bet Rudy. Go the other way. No, it's Adrian. Wait, other way, other way. All right. Well, you got it. <laughs> I heard Adrian. Did you? I heard Adrian. It counts. Uh, praise be to God. Congratulations, Tony. Uh, it is, in fact, the correct answer is the burial place of a martyr is the correct answer for Martyrion, which I... Sure, I'm still not saying correct. But nonetheless, Donnie and Tony, God love you. God bless you. Thanks for playing our game, having a laugh, and uh, have a great day, Tony. Thank you. I've, I've always loved doing this. We love having you on, too. So we'll see you next time. I want to put you on hold. That's going to do it for the radio side of the show. We survived it, praise be to God. In the after show, I'll catch you up on my carnivore journey of torture. Where, where are my results so far? I'll let you know on the other side in the after show. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt to hang out on the live video stream and we'll chat directly. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> who fostered her king on earth as her glorious defender in heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, thus says the Lord God, because you are a haughty of heart, you say, a God am I. I occupy a godly throne in the heart of the sea, and yet you are a man and not a God. However, you may think yourself like a God. Oh yes, you are wiser than Daniel, there is no secret that is beyond you. By your wisdom and your intelligence, you have made riches for yourself. You have put gold and silver into your treasuries. By your great wisdom applied to your trading, you have heaped up your riches. Your heart has grown haughty from your riches. Therefore, thus says the Lord, because you have thought yourself to have the mind of a God, therefore I will bring against you foreigners and the most barbarous of nations. They shall draw their swords against your beauteous wisdom. They shall run them through your splendid apparel. They shall thrust you down to the pit, there to die, a bloodied corpse in the heart of the sea. Will you then say, I am a God, when you face your murderers? No, you are a man, not a God. Hand it over to those who will slay you. You shall die the death of the uncircumcised at the hands of foreigners. For I have spoken, says the Lord God. The word of the Lord. It is I who deal death and give life. It is I who deal death and give life. I would have said, I will make an end of them and blot out their name from men's memories had I not feared the insolence of their enemies feared that these foes would mistakenly boast. It is I who deal death and give life. Our own hand won the victory. The Lord had nothing to do with it, for they are a people devoid of reason, having no understanding. It is I who deal death and give life. How could one man rout a thousand, or two men put ten thousand to flight, unless it was because their rock sold them, and the Lord delivered them up? It is I who deal death and give life. Close at hand is the day of their disaster, and their doom is rushing upon them. Surely the Lord shall do justice for his people. On his servants he shall have pity. It is I who deal death and give life. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. 
Jesus Christ became poor although he was rich, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Amen, I say to you, it will be hard for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For men this is impossible, but for God all things are possible. When Peter said to him in re- then Peter said to him in reply, We have given up everything and followed you. What will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, that you who have followed me in the new age, when the Son of Man is seated on his throne of glory, will yourselves sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for the sake of my name, will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The readings that we have today really fit in beautifully with the saint that we celebrate, Saint Stephen of Hungary. St. Stephen was the first king of what we call Hungary today, that area, and he was crowned in 1000 AD, so beginning a completely new millennium, and uh, really a millennium of Christianity in the country of Hungary. Um, And it's not too many kings that are given the title of saint, (laughs) because of the difficulty, of course, in, in their responsibilities. But here's a man who, when we, very different from what we hear in the first reading from the book of the prophet uh, Ezekiel, about somebody who is, is not, he is not haughty. And he writes a beautiful letter to his son, which we have in the office of readings today, exhorting his son to do the same, to be humble, to be a good king, to serve especially the poor, not to get caught up in riches, not to get caught up in fame or power. And how easy it is, right, for any of us that as soon as we're giving a little bit of responsibility, a little bit of power that we want to come with a heavy hand or an iron fist, you know? Now that I'm in charge, this is what, this is what you're going to do, you know? Um, it was, it just, it's too easy for us to just be, be corrupted by power. But he, was, he had a very different vision, a very different way of going about it, and perhaps that's why the Christianity in Hungary has lasted so long, because of this great example of this man who really sought to bring Christ to reign as Christ would reign over his people. He was very generous. He was always concerned with the poor. He said he didn't, he didn't try to abuse his power, although I'm sure from, from other perspectives, people thought that he was, he was heavy-handed or used his, his, his power um, irresponsibly. But, you know, in politics, there's always people who disagree with you. But nonetheless, he, he really strove for this, and he strove to inculcate those values to his son, um, not to get caught up in the, the riches, the power, the fame of, of ruling. Well, maybe none of us are, or will be kings in the sense of, of like King Stephen of Hungary, but we, all, we are given in our baptism that 
that munus, that power to, of king. We are priests, prophets, and king. We're to use that power, that authority, which is not really something that we have because we were so good, but rather because it is bestowed on us by Christ in our baptism, but to use that in order to further the kingdom of God. And this is why, where it comes in the gospel today, so important. Jesus says, I may say to you, it would be hard for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. The disciples are kind of like scratching their head about this. Well, you know, who can be saved? And you got to love what Peter says. He says, we, we have given up everything and followed you. What will there be for us? You know, we need a little insurance policy here, Lord, to make sure that you know, what we're, we're, we're investing right, is, going to, is going to accrue something. And Jesus shows a different way. What we, well, who we consider to be the first in this world today, in the eyes of God, are really last. I remember asking this one question when I was in a, uh, at a parish. said, who's the richest man in the world? We can probably name some of them. Maybe it's Bill Gates. Maybe it's this uh, Bezos or somebody like this. We can, or we can look at least the Fortune 500 magazine to find out who's the richest person in the world. And we ask, who's the poorest? And I had a guy in the very back of the church says, I am. <laughs> Who's the poorest person in the world? Are you going to see that in the Fortune 500 magazine? Are you going to see that in the daily newspaper? No. Because they're, but isn't, isn't that whom Jesus says, this is the one who has inherited the kingdom of heaven? Not just the materially poor, of course, but the, really, the truly humble. Those that the world considers nothing, uh, and, uh, but are really something in the eyes of God. That's the one. That's why Jesus says, the first, many who are first will be last, but the last will be first. Last in the eyes of our worldly values. And so what does Jesus say? If we give up everything, if we give up houses, brothers and sisters, father, mother, children, or lands, for the sake of my name, we'll receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. Whoever gives up everything for the Lord will receive so much more back. But that takes faith on our part. What is it that we tend to cling to today? What is it that we tend to want to hold on to and we, that we don't want to give up? Can we give it up for the Lord? Can we give it up to say there's something greater? If I, let my, if I open my hands to receive something greater, I have to let go of what I'm, what I'm trying to cling on to so, uh, so ardently. But if I let it go, then the Lord can fill me. Uh, St. Therese of Lisieux had a beautiful prayer called Empty Hands. He said, if I, I come before the Lord empty-handed, and, but because I have spent everything that he has given to me as a spendthrift, I've given it away to others, praying for them, giving all the graces away, so I come empty-handed before God so that he can fill them. And I think that's the spirit that we should have, the spirit that Jesus is speaking to us about in the gospel. May we be poor in the things of the world, but really truly rich in the eyes of God. Dear brothers and sisters, gathered as one to celebrate the good things we have received from our God, let us ask him to prompt in us prayers that are worthy of his hearing. Let us pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for Michael, our bishop, for all the clergy, with the people entrusted to their charge. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let us pray for those who hold public office and those who assist them in promoting the common good. Let us pray especially for the intercession of St. Stephen of Hungary, that he may be an intercessor and also an example of how to uh, rule in a Christ-like way, always respecting the dignity of life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let's pray for those who travel by sea, land, or air, 
for those who are captives and held in prison, for those who suffer persecution for their faith, that they may be strengthened and be faithful to Christ, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Pray for all of us gathered in this sacred place by faith and devotion and love and reverence for God. Pray for those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio for their, inten for their intentions. And uh, for those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let us pray for those who have died, for all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let us pray in the spirit of the gospel that we may be poor in the things of the world, so that we may be rich in what matters to God. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. May the petitions of your church be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, so that we may, that we may receive from your mercy we cannot ask out of confidence in our own merits through Christ our Lord. Amen. Love divine, our love's excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faith, for mercy's crown. Jesus, Thou art all compassion, pure, unbounded love Thou art. Visit us with Thy salvation. Enter every tramp heart pray dearly beloved that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father may the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands praise and glory of his name for our good and good of all his holy church through the present oblation, O Lord, which we offer in commemoration of blessed Stephen of Hungary, bestow on your faithful, we pray, the gifts of unity and peace through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For you are praised in the company of your saints, and in crowning their merits, you crown your own gifts. By their way of life you offer us an example, by communion with them you gave us companionship, by their intercession sure support. So that encouraged by so great a cloud of witnesses, we may run as victors in the race before us, and win with them the imperishable crown of glory through Christ our Lord. And so with all the angels and archangels, with the great multitude of the saints, 
we sing the hymn of your praise, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Arbalot, Pleni sunt celi etera, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. mystery of faith. Save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Suffer to the sign of peace. On you stay, qui tolis peccatamudi, miserere nobis. On you stay, qui tolis peccatamudi, miserere nobis. On you stay. We told this peccatamuni, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not ready for you to enter into my roof. But I only say the word, and my soul shall be. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, says the Lord. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O oh Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come to me, but speak the word of comfort my spirit healed shall be, and humbly I'll receive thee, 
the bridegroom of my soul. No more by sin to grieve thee, or fly thy sweet control. Eternal Holy Spirit, unworthy though I be, prepare me to receive him, and trust the word to me. Increase my faith, dear Jesus, in thy real presence here, and make me feel most deeply that thou to me art near. My hope in thee now strengthen, O Savior of my soul. Lest by temptation blinded, I turn from my true goal. Let us pray. In this sacrament we have received, O Lord, in commemoration of blessed Stephen of Hungary, sanctify our minds and hearts, that we may merit to be made sharers in the divine nature, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go forth, the Mass is ended. Thanks be to God. Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, Most Holy, Immaculate Virgin Mary, You the mother of God himself. You are the queen of all creation. You are the keeper of heaven's treasure. You are our help and pro- The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen.
Celebrating 2,000 years of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Samantha from Presentation 